You are listening to the Salty Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Anas Kesto. I'm salty not just because Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, but also because I'm salty in the sense that I'm watching the culture shift towards this progressive ideology, and it's becoming more anti-Christian by the day, and it's been slowly destroying our Christian values. I'm also salty because I'm watching Catholics become very lukewarm in their faith and not standing up and defending against this secular culture. So I'm here to sprinkle in a little bit of flavor. Alright, let's begin. You're probably praying wrong and don't even know it. Most likely because you may have a complete misunderstanding of what prayer is in the first place. So part of what I do, if you already don't know, is I like to burst bubbles and just be a buskill. So in this episode, I'm going to be a total buskill and talk about how many Christians suck at praying. I'm including myself in this, so don't you know? I'm not pretending like I'm better than anybody. Uh, but I just like I just mentioned, it's mostly because the um, of the fact that we just have this deep misunderstanding in our culture of what prayer really is. In this episode, I'm going to go over a few ways where people misunderstand what prayer is and a few ways how we're praying, maybe not necessarily wrong, but definitely not fruitful. So first, let's define what prayer is. And uh, of course, I'm going to be looking at this from a Catholic perspective, uh, strictly from a Catholic perspective, since, well, I'm Catholic, as the title of the show suggests. Uh, I also think this kind of applies to Christianity in general, so to speak, but you'll see what I'm talking about when as I, as I go on and explain. So the word pray is an old English word, which means to ask sincerely or make a earnest request in a, like a, in a humble manner. In the old timey days, they used to say things like, pray tell, or, you know, I pray thee, tell me, whatever. It's kind of like how uh, when someone says something interesting and they begin like a story, you just say, please do tell or go on. Uh, it's something that it was used that way, right? It was kind of never, it was never used in a sarcastic way, by the way. It was really, you know, earnest and sincere when you, when you use that word. So when someone used to use the word pray, it was always in a sincere and a humble manner. For example, if we go to the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 2, Bathsheba made a request to King Solomon. In verse 20, in the modern version of the translation, so if we read any, you know, RSV, the NIV, It'll say something along the lines of uh, Bathsheba talking to King Solomon, and she says, I have one small request of you. Please do not refuse me. Something along those lines. In the King James Version, uh, which is written in like Middle English, Old English, you know, like the Shakespearean style English, it says, I desire one small petition of thee. I pray thee, say me not nay. That's such a tongue twister. Uh, but the King James Version of the Bible is such a beautiful and rich translation, but it, it is written in like you know, this old-timey Shakespearean, and it's, it is really hard to understand if we're not used to that language. That's why, you know, we don't really use that term that way in modern English, but this is just one of many examples from the King James Bible where the word pray is used in this exact manner. It's just used for somebody kind of earnestly, just sincerely asking some something from somebody. So when we use the word pray as Catholics, we're generally saying that we are earnestly asking for something. And when we pray, when we make that request in the direction of God, it means we're earnestly and humbly making the request or petition to God. So by definition, prayer is not necessarily equated with adoration and worship that's due to God. Prayer can involve an act of adoration when it's directed to God, but the term doesn't necessarily mean worship and adoration. And I think this is why it's so hard for Protestants to accept that we pray to saints. 
they equate prayer and worship. So when they say you pray to saints, they equate that that we worship saints. No Catholic in their right mind worships anyone or anything but the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one and only God. You know, maybe in a future episode, I'll pick my bones with the Protestants. But for now, I just want to explain that what we mean by prayer from a Catholic perspective, it's just an earnest and humble request made from one person to another. Usually it's directed to God, but not necessarily. So I'm going to just jump in and get into the misconceptions that about prayers. And I think I'm going to start with the most annoying misconception about prayer is that when we pray for something, we get what we want or that we expect God to answer our prayers exactly how we want it and when we want it. Uh, guess who misunderstands prayer in this way the most? People who are not even Christian to begin with. Either them or the uber-liberal Christians, the super-super-liberal Christians who usually sound like atheists these days anyway, they don't know what prayer is. They think prayer is like a, a coin that's used to, in, you know, that we put in a spiritual vending machines and whenever we need something, we just kind of cash it in and bam, we just get whatever we want. These these dummies don't even take the time to try to understand Christianity, but they sure have a lot to say about it. You know, for example, they come out full swinging when a tragedy happens, like a, a mass shooting or a natural disaster or anything of that sort. They'll say something along the lines of like, you know, keep the thoughts and prayers to yourself and actually do something meaningful and useful. Or, you know, if thoughts and prayers really work, then these people won't have suffered this tragedy. I remember when... Um, when a shooting happened a few years ago uh, at a church in Texas, um, the liberal blue check marks on Twitter were so quick to mock and say like the nastiest things. They would say things like, you know, if prayer did something, these people would still be alive. Cowards. Using a tragedy to mock and attack a religion they have no idea about, just to sound smart. And what's even more sad is there are Christians. I'm going to put Christians in quotes. They're quote-unquote Christians on social media saying those, you know, having those same exact sentiments where like, we don't need thoughts and prayers. We need we need better laws. We need common sense gun control laws. We need to whatever whatever it is. We don't need thoughts and prayers. We need to do this thing. I'm certain that these quote unquote misunderstandings about what prayer is they're not coincidence. I, I really don't believe they're a coincidence. I think they're very very deliberate. The idea that prayer is asking for something and then God will just give it to you automatically. I think it's been pushed purposely to mislead people from the truth. You know, if you grow up your entire life thinking that prayer is just a vending machine and when, um, you know, anytime you need something, you get it and then you don't get up, don't end up getting anything you want, then you're going to grow very, very frustrated and end up leaving Christianity altogether and being very resentful, which kind of like goes into this other misconception. They, they kind of tie, uh, you know, tie together. The other misconception is that prayer is mostly just for like hard times, like you're good your, your entire life. You just go on. You don't really need to pray. But when something bad happens or you're really in need of something uh, in your life, you're going through something, then that's when you pray. And I kind of blame that. I'm going to explain this, so please don't jump to conclusions. I kind of blame that social media, asking people, um, asking you know the friends on social media to pray when um, either a tragedy happens or you know you really desperately need something like you're about to take an exam or... Uh, go into a job interview, or even when you're asking about, you know, when your own health or the health of a loved one is in jeopardy. Now, again, don't jump to conclusions. Of course, we should be praying and we should be asking our brothers and sisters to pray for us in our time of need. There's honestly nothing more beautiful than to express our belonging to one church, one community. We're in the community of, in the communion of saints. However, that does make us fall in the habit of only asking for prayers during hard times. 
And what ends up happening is that we inadvertently uh, end up giving this false perception that prayer is pretty much only used exclusively when we're in need. We should get into the habit of asking people for prayers for anything, anytime, even if we're happy, ask people for prayers. One of the examples I can give you is I have a, a dear friend of mine on social media announced that um, she and her husband were pregnant uh, and they're expecting a child. And she wrote this beautiful uh, paragraph about how they're so happy to welcome this child into life and they're so excited. And she ended it with pray for us. She's expressing how happy she is. And she told people pray for us. It's beautiful. We should be doing a lot more of that. That way we don't give the common misconception that prayer is only for bad times. They really aren't. Okay, so if prayer isn't meant to give me stuff and it isn't just to get me through tough times, then what the heck is the point of prayer in the first place? Well, luckily for us, the goat of all goats, St. Thomas Aquinas, puts it this way. He says in uh, his Summa Theologiae, We need to pray to God, not in order to make known to Him our needs and desires, but that we ourselves may be reminded of the necessity of having recourse to God's help in these matters. So pretty much what he's saying is that the more we turn our hearts and minds and, uh, you know, give them all to God, the more we will create a habit in us of being humble. And we will recognize that we're not self-sufficient and that we really need God and we need to depend on Him for everything. There's a beautiful quote by Mother Teresa. She said, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this and that, but now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. How beautiful is that? This is exactly what prayer should be. Prayer should be changing us so that we could change things. It's supposed to help us. It's not supposed to make changes with God or not supposed to like make God change things. Prayer doesn't change God, but it changes those who pray. Okay, to recap, prayer is not a vending machine where we expect God just to answer our prayers exactly how we want and when we want it and where we want it. It's not something we should be uh, exclusively doing in difficult times or in times of great needs. And it's not pointless. There is a point to it, which is, you know, changing us, making us more humble. So prayer isn't just a request line or a suggestion box. So hopefully the next time an atheist or one of these, you know, liberal Christians brings up any of these points or misrepresents what prayer is, we should be able to correct them. We should correct them and tell them what prayer truly means, especially if there's an audience listening to them. Uh, We should be able to correct them so that they're not misleading. Because if they're going to end up keep spreading these false teachings... Then you're going to have a bunch of young people who they're going to believe this and they're just going to end up being frustrated that their prayer isn't quote unquote working and they're they're just going to have a bad taste in their mouth and just going to leave the faith altogether in resentment. Okay, so now that we kind of know what prayer is and then we know what prayer isn't and all these misconceptions, I kind of want to now switch and talk about how many Christians praying the wrong way. And hopefully I'll explain how we should be praying. And I'm including myself in this, by the way. I'm not pretending to like know how to pray better than the average Christians. I, I still suck at it. And I'm doing my best uh, to make you know my prayer life better and more fruitful. So pray for me so that I can have that as well. But this is not me making these points. This is the Bible telling us that how to pray the right way and how not to pray, how people pray the wrong way. Um, first, don't just not pray because you feel like you're unworthy to speak to God. That's so wrong. None of us are worthy to receive God's grace, but because of his love for us, he gives us his grace as a free gift. So before we can even begin to pray, we need to first get rid of the mindset that we're just not good enough to talk to God. I'm not. I'm just not a good enough person to talk to God in the first place. I shouldn't even be talking to him. I'm not a good person. We're all his children. 
we're not just some like low-level employees working on the first floor and God is the CEO on the top floor and only like these higher-ups can have communications with him. No, no, no. It's not how it is. It's far from the truth. With that said, we should be clean from any mortal sins and repent before praying to make our prayers more fruitful. So in Proverbs chapter 15, uh, verse 8, it says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. So of course, as I mentioned already, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, like St. Paul says in uh, Romans. But what is meant by this verse in Proverbs is that if we make no effort at all whatsoever to repent and go to confession as often as possible, then our prayers may not be fruitful. If we don't even make an honest attempt to make right with the, with the God that we're offending, how can we expect our communication with Him to be pure? So we need to make sure that we repent of our sins as often as we can. That way we can uh, approach God with an open and a clean heart and a clean soul and a clean mind so that we can speak to Him. Uh, another wrong way of praying is praying for show. So this is one of the verses in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and in the street corners so that they may be seen by others. So don't be that guy. Don't be that guy who like prays extra loud in prayer groups or the most annoying one is like that person that's like a half a second ahead of everybody else when they're praying. Just stop. It, not only is that super annoying, but it's really like show-offy. There's nothing wrong with praying in public, for example. You know, if you're at a restaurant with a family, you want to pray before having a meal. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if we're doing it just to show everybody around us that we're just better people than them, that we know how to pray and, oh, I pray before my meals. So, and did you pray before your meal? Oh, did you forget? Uh, don't, just don't be that guy. The other wrong way is when we make our prayers so insincere, they're borderline superstitions. First, let me read the Bible verse. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, a good example, and Chaldeans are notorious for this, especially like the, the older ladies, is uh, when they do the sign of the cross, they'll do the sign of the cross like 72,485 times, like so quickly, so fast, and like just thinking that like the more and the quicker that they do it in this short period of time, the, the more effective their prayer will be. Our prayer shouldn't be just empty words and gestures and just a bunch of words that make us feel like we're honoring God, right? You know, if we just say four words that come sincerely from the bottom of our hearts and we meditate on them so much and we just kind of focus on God and His glory and His love, that would be so much more fruitful than sitting down and ripping through just a bunch of prayers quickly just to say that we prayed. So we shouldn't feel like we have to be poets and use these big, you know, words, these big fancy words and metaphors when we're praying. That's not totally necessary. Prayer should be coming from the heart, and that's perfectly good enough. That's all God asks of us, is just to be sincere. And finally, this one I think most people struggle with and totally get wrong. I certainly do. I'm. This is something I'm working on, is a self-centered prayer. So in James chapter 4, verse 3, the letter of James, uh, he says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. We end up praying for our pleasures and wants at the expense of God's glory. For example, Say you're praying to get a promotion at your job or praying to get this new position at your work. And you're praying to get this position or this promotion so that you can make more money. Now, you want more money so that you can afford a bigger house, a better car, to go on a more luxurious vacation, a better, you know, first class seat, whatever it is, right? God probably won't answer that in your favor if we're being honest. But if we were to pray for the same exact thing, that promotion, 
so that we're able to afford to donate more money to charity. Or maybe this new position will give us more free time to spend with our family, to be able to maybe go to Bible study, to go to church more often, to preach the gospel, etc. This will be, of course, more fruitful. It's the same exact prayer, but just a completely different motive. So recall from earlier when I discussed how prayer, when it's done right, should change us so that we become a better person and reflect on God rather than ourselves. Praying to ask for things to be able to glorify God as opposed to glorifying ourselves is the correct way. Now, this kind of reminds me of this joke. Um, A man was driving and um, he's getting to uh, this place for a job interview. And he goes to this place and the parking lot is full and he's just driving around in circles trying to find a spot. He's going to be very late. So he starts praying, God, please just help me find a parking spot. And he doesn't. So what does he start doing? Now he starts to compromise with God. Okay, God, if you give me a parking spot, then I promise I'll start going to church every Sunday, not just once in a while. He's still not finding a parking spot. Okay, God, if you help me find a parking spot, I'll go to church every Sunday and I'll stop going out to the bars. And then he sees a car pulling out and emptying a spot. And then he looks at God and he's like, you know what? Never mind. I found a spot. (laughs) We have this habit of praying to God and asking him for things. And we start compromising with him, like making deals like, Hey, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. We, we start making this compromise. It's so wrong. It this shouldn't be about us. It shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be like this, you know, so self-centered. And when we pray, it's the focus is us, us, me, 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 me. No, it should be all on God because God at the end of the day knows us and knows our hearts and he's going to give us what we want, what we desire. Now, fortunately for us, Jesus did teach us how to pray. He taught us probably the most perfect prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. The focus, if we if we kind of meditate on it, the focus uh, begins with God, and we call him Father. We reflect that he is our Father, and we are his children. You know, he isn't some master, and we are his slaves down here on earth. And th- it's so beautiful. That's just the way it starts, that we're calling God Father. And we, we notice that the first half of the prayer is glorifying God. And then as the prayer goes on, we ask him to forgive, you know, to give us our daily bread, to give us the graces to do his will, you know, thy will be done. And then we ask him for his forgiveness. And then we ask him for his guide, guidance so that he can lead us away from temptation and evil. This is how we ought to pray. We focus on God and then gradually work towards us and give, you know, making our petitions. But even our petitions have to be God-centered, you know, give us this day our daily bread Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We tell him, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, because he is the only one that can lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. This is why it's the perfect prayer. And uh, actually, in the, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2774, uh, it's kind of long, but I, I urge you to go read it. Uh, but the Catechism refers to the Lord's Prayer as the summary of the whole gospel. It's so beautiful. We're so familiar with the Our Father that sometimes we just take for granted and we just don't reflect on how rich and deep this prayer really is. Um, Let's keep in mind what prayer really means. It's not just a request line. Um, It's not meant as a pill that we take when just when, you know, something we need, you know, when we're hurting or, you know, it's at a specific time we're only supposed to be praying. It's not meant to change God's mind or God's divine plan. Prayer is meant for us to change. It's meant for us to reflect on God and His glory and to reflect on our relationship with Him. We're not speaking to an impersonal force at a distant, you know, or a distant being, but we're speaking to a Father who loves us unconditionally. You know, Jesus uses the Aramaic word Abba, you know, a Father. When He was praying to the Father, it implies this deep personal relationship with a, you know, with a loving Father to a child. Even St. Paul in uh, 
in uh, Romans in chapter 8, he encourages us to use that title when speaking to, the, to our Heavenly Father. Jesus makes it clear. There's nothing wrong with asking for an end to our suffering. Our Father wants us to ask for any desire that's in our heart. But ultimately, and this is probably the hardest thing, we should be willing to accept whatever the Father gives us. You know, I remember once having a chat with a friend and he said something along the lines of, you know, I've been praying for God to give me an answer, but he hasn't responded yet. And I'm like to him, maybe the answer is no. And he kind of looked at me all weird. I mean, we have to remember that no is an answer. It's a perfectly reasonable answer to our prayers because God is perfectly good. He's perfectly just and he has all the knowledge. So yes, no, not yet. Those are all valid answers coming from God for our prayers. Because the Father um, loves us, we'll always receive exactly what we need. And um, we should pray that God guides us for a better prayer life. And I know this sounds weird. It sounds kind of counterproductive that we pray so that we can pray better. But this, again, the prayer is meant for us to ask earnestly for something from God. And then it also, it's something that changes us. The more we have that relationship with God, the more it changes us to be better people. So we need to find time to have that conversation with God. And trust me, we have a lot of time through our day. I don't care how busy somebody says they are, they have plenty of time in their day. Everybody drives, driving to work or driving to school. Those are perfect opportunities to pray. During lunch break at work, instead of scrolling through social media or watching YouTube videos, those are perfect opportunities to pray. While, while we're eating, it's fine. The first thing when we wake up, Everybody here probably checks social media or checks their text messages and emails of what happened last night before they even get out of bed. Perfect opportunity to pray to God, especially in the beginning of the day. We need to use that time to speak to the Lord to begin our day. And then as we continue, we speak to him throughout our day. It will change our life. Jesus guarantees it. That brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the content. Please don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. And also, don't forget to subscribe and share to the other podcasts from ECRC. We have The Right to Be Catholic. That's R-I-T-E, To Be Catholic by Sean A.R., some whatever, some cool guy. And then we also have The Catholic Avengers by Jeff Kassab and Polaris Hockey. So please make sure to check them out and subscribe to them and share. As always, keep me in your prayers as I always keep you in mine. God bless you all and be salty. (laughs) ¶¶